Well, good morning again. Today is September the 19th, and all across our country this morning, churches, including ours, is observing the National Comeback to Church Day. That day has been set aside as schools go back in, and you kind of get back into your routine. Summer's gone, not too many vacations happening after summer, to get back, going to church, and gathering together. These churches all over the country are making an intentional effort to invite their communities to come and join them in worship. Now, coming off last year, 2020, we have been blessed. Yes, we shut down for a little while, but we always had live stream. And then we've come back gathering together, I believe back in May or June of last year, I forget. But there's some churches in our country who are still shut down or somewhat shut down and cannot worship together in the way that they like to. So this coming back to church day is really big for a lot of people because they're coming back together perhaps for the first time with their fellow brothers and sisters to worship the Lord. Now you realize the church is not a building, correct? The church is made up of individuals who have trusted Jesus with their lives. As I look in the crowd around this morning, I feel safe to say that I know most of you, if not all of you, have made a commitment to Jesus Christ at one point in your life. You confessed, and you confessed your sin to him. You admitted you needed him. You made, your, he, you made him savior of your life, and you've been walking with him ever since. And we come here and take time to do this. Why? Because we need to meet together to help support each other in this journey of faith. We really do need each other. And I'll say this once and I'll say it again. 2020 should have taught us all that we do indeed need each other. You can go absolutely crazy, no pun intended, if you lock yourself in a room with no interaction with nobody else. It's, it's proven. Even in our uh, judicial system, you can only put people in solitary confinement for such a period of time because it's been proven. You put them in solitary confinement with the lights out, with no simulation from any other human beings, they will go insane. One thing that happens, and perhaps you never really thought of this before, but when we come together, what happens? We find hope. A hope that empowers us to overcome anything that life may throw at us. So I want to say to you again, welcome to church today. Because you are part of something bigger than yourself. It's not by coincidence that you find yourself sitting in that pew this morning, or if you're watching us online, this is not a coincidence. These are divine appointments. You're here for a reason. And perhaps, as that video pointed out, you're looking for hope. We do need hope. And that is the series in which we begin today, that hope is here. After 2020, what has happened this year and what is going to happen this year, everything that's taken place, I would tell you this morning that the greatest need that we all have is hope. We need hope that all is not lost. Some of us have experienced great loss 
and it's been a difficult to bear. And we have difficult times that, are, that we go through. We start to doubt our faith and the things we used to hold tightly. Some of us feel broken because we see the division in our country and the pain that it's causing. Some of us feel broken heartbreak as we turn on and watch the news around the world. Things are happening. Perhaps even in your own family, there are things happening that you have no control over and you're broken and your heart is heavy. You and me, your loved ones, your friends, and your neighbors need hope. Reminds me of a story of a man going to a Little League baseball game. When he got there, it was two outs already at the top of the first, and he watched the third out. He looked at the score at the end of the top of the first inning. It was 16 to 0. So he knew some kids that were on the team that were about to get up to bat. They were technically losing at that time. And he, he went up to him and said, are you, are you discouraged because you're so far behind you're losing? And the little boy looked at the man and said, why should I feel discouraged? We haven't got up to bat yet. And that's how we should look at things. It's not a bad way to look at the challenge that we face in life. It's not because we haven't got up to bat yet. It's because the church throughout history has gone through terrible, terrible times and persecution. But they always had hope. And that hope wasn't wishy-washy hope, like I hope it may rain, I hope it may cool down the rest of this week. The hope is built on the person and the work of Jesus Christ, that he's no longer in the grave. He's been resurrected. He's at the right hand of the Father. That is what our hope is built upon. You have reason for hope. And in the Gospels, we find Jesus always offering hope to people around him. Whether it was a crippling disease, an oppressive government, a physical or spiritual hunger or an evil attack, Jesus met people right where they were. Comes to point number one I like to make this morning. Let's just all agree, shall we, that ready for this mind-blowing, earth-shattering statement. You ready? Life is hard. Would you agree with that? There are times we need to be reminded that indeed there is hope. Because life's circumstances can leave you and I feeling helpless, hopeless. And nothing in life can steal our hope more than when we find ourselves weary, tired, and worn out. And many in this room and watching us online know exactly what that feels like. Waiting for a diagnosis. How are you going to pay the bills this month? Saving a marriage, enduring COVID-19, trying to grow spiritually. It is at times like these what we feel that we cannot go on. And we really entertain the thought, that's it, I give up, I cannot do this anymore. All of us in this room have issues, circumstances that we're dealing with. You never know what someone might be holding inside, just like those eggs. Yeah, we look alike, sort of. But in the inside, we're all different. We all got our things happening 
to us. You know, NFL coach Vince Lombardi said this, that fatigue makes cowards of us all. And as a side note, may I say again, like I said last week, part of our problem in our society and here in America is that we don't take the time for proper rest. We run ourselves ragged. Oh, I got extra time. I can do this. I got extra time. I can do that. And Jesus is aware of that tendency of people, even back in those days, to run themselves ragged, to shoulder heavy burdens. And while they do that, they take all this weight on themselves, they become weary and they begin to lose hope. If you look back in chapter 11, Jesus is speaking to his followers about John the Baptist. In fact, you'll read how John even now is questioning him, is Jesus really the Messiah? Go and ask him, because John is now in prison at this point. John was wondering if his work had been all in vain. And it's that context which we find these words that Jesus speaks. So let's read the text together. Verse 28. You know what? Let's do something different. If you can, let's stand in honor of the word of God. Verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble or lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, continue speaking. Speak to us through your written word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The first thing he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Are you weary this morning? Are you heavy laden? Or is something burdening you right now that's sitting on your heart so heavy? And Jesus is acknowledging that life can be heavy. Because we live life without any limits, without any margin. We work hard to keep up with others and people around us, and we grow tired. Now, you shouldn't feel bad when you feel crushed by burdens, because we're told at a young age, at least for me as a boy growing up, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Oh, you heard the old saying, we try to keep up. With the Joneses, no pun intended, Tammy. Her maiden name was Jones. But we do that. We compare ourselves to people, do we not? And we try to keep up. Try to fit in. And when we're doing that, we're seeking all these things and crowding our schedule. We often shy away of going to God to help him to help us. And we also avoid being vulnerable with others as well. I'm not going to call anybody out, but I've been guilty of this. You asked me, Tim, how are you doing this morning? I'm fine. But if I was really honest with you, I have something on my heart that's very heavy. Something I'm dealing with. Jesus says that if you are weary, we should go to him. Look what he is an invitation. Look at verse 28. I will give you rest. 
Jesus is equating the Christian life with spiritual rest. We need time to rest in the arms of Jesus. Just to rest. That's what the Sabbath is really all about. Resting. I thought about that when Roger was up here talking about how the road to God is sprinkled with the blood of Christ. It's about resting in the completed work of Christ. If you cannot earn his love in any shape, form, or fashion, then what makes you think you can lose his love in any shape, form, or fashion? There's a passage in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 that says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient past, where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. I want to show a picture of this man now. Pull up on the screen. I have this picture in my office. It's entitled Forgiveness. Picture of Jesus holding up that man. You ever felt like that man? I'm not talking about physical, being just, just exhausted. You've tried everything you can in a given circumstance. You just can't, you just want to give up. What a, they say a picture's worth a thousand words, and I love that picture. I'm that man many, many times when I feel like giving up. I look at that, and I know Jesus is there with me. He says in verse 29 to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus tells us to change our yoke for another. Here's a picture of a yoke, what it looks like. Most of you know this. You have two places there for two oxen or two cow. A farmer would hook this on to them to plow a field or pull a cart. And it would help the farmer submit the animals to do what they wanted to do. But that's a yoke. Jews often spoke of the yoke as taking on the yoke of the Torah, referring to the acceptance or the stipulations of the law. Now, they were going law-based. It was very performance-based, law-based, religious, and legalistic, driven by the need to succeed. Now, the rules are still there, and the law is still there, but if you try to get approval by God by keeping a list of rules of do's and don'ts, you're going to wear out. Look what he says in verse 30. Take that yoke off. Quit trying to please me and to earn it. Take my yoke that is easy, Jesus says in verse 30, that's comfortable and pleasant, and my burden is light. And here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is offering you a yoke this morning that is of grace, mercy, compassion, and love. Often the yoke that we want to put on causes us to become weary and burdened. We try to live legalistic, the do's and don'ts, a checkoff list of theology. See, our faith is not legalistic. It's relational at its very core. Yes, we do things, but we do them because of the love relationship that we have with Christ, not a way of earning approval. One of these two yokes either causes people to be weary 
or helps people to find peace. Jesus invites you to remove whatever yokes you may have around your neck and to place his yoke upon you because it's easy, it's light, and it will give you rest. Have you given it over to God? Whatever it is that's burdening you right now, it's like that yoke hanging on your neck. It's been my experience when I have that tension, that uncomfortable, that conviction God is telling me, Tim, you need to hand that over to me. We have it backwards a lot. We'll all do all these things thinking somehow I can make it right. I can't. There's things I just cannot do. And I have to turn it over to God and trust in Him. Not to get into a long story, but the hardest thing for me to learn that in my life was with my three daughters. You've taught them. Tim, you've got to let them go. And trust me. Very difficult to do. If you find yourself being weary and worn out this morning, there's hope. There's hope for a better tomorrow. There's hope for true purpose. There's hope for a clean slate. Hope for peace and rest. This hope is found in Jesus. And where Jesus is, that's where hope is. Who do you have in here this morning? How many Christians do we have in the house? Let me hear an amen. All right, you have the Holy Spirit residing within you. That's Christ. Christ is in you. You're here. I'm here. Christ is here. Where Christ is, there's hope. There's hope is here. And you notice with that yoke, it wasn't worn by just one animal, one ox, or one cow. They would pull the plow together. And when you recognize you do not have to do this life all alone, and that your rest is best found in Christ with people just like you, there is hope. You talk to people who have been down that road before, who have experienced loss of a loved one or a parent, and they will show you how God got them through that. There's hope. I know my mama passed away, as painful as it was, and still is. I have hope because I know I will see her again one day. And on that day, she won't be racked up with cancer. She'll be completely healed. You ever ask yourself how people get through that without the hope of Christ? And see, that word hope has been misused in our society, so... Just bear with me. The hope that I'm talking about is not a wishy t- It's sure, it's fast, it's firm. Built upon the rock of Christ. The church carries each other's burdens. One another's burdens. Paul's writing to the church of Galatia about the importance of living in community. He was writing this in light of the struggle that is to avoid sin in life. In the Galatians 6.2, it says, Bear one of those burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Here's the deal. You and I must be willing to meet the needs of others where they are. Not where you want them to be, but where they are. When you see someone who is burdened, 
go. Talk to them. And when you do, know that you're giving them hope. You can help them by bearing their burdens, shoulder these burdens that they have, by offering grace and forgiveness to them, a willingness to help them navigate a better way. You can do this with confidence because, can I just back up for a second? Your value is not found anything that you can do. I mean, your value comes from the love that Christ has for you. Your value comes from the grace that he gives you. That's what gives you value, not what you own, not what you wear, not what you drive, not how much money you have, your value and your worth. Look at the cross of Christ. That's your value. That is your worth. And yes, what you can share with people to help them find a better way to deal with things. Show them that they're not alone. The worst thing, in my opinion, that can happen to you in this life is when a loved one passes away. It's, it's nothing compares to the, the pain that it causes. And people say, Tim, what, what do you say? A lot of times I don't say anything at all. I just show up, give them a hug, and pray. By that simple gesture, you're showing them that they're not alone. There's someone walking beside them. I'm closer to some of my brothers in Christ than I am with some of my own family members. Because I've been in the trenches with them. And I know they got my back. That's what the church needs to be. It doesn't mean we turn a blind eye to sin, but it means that we know if I was to mess up in a big way, you tell me about it, but in the end, I know you have my back. And how can you put a price tag on it? You can't. And what sustains that and the foundation for that is the love of Christ. There's burdens that happen to us that we don't really ask for. They just happen to us. Like a divorce that we didn't ask for, a sickness that was unexpected, or a job loss that's devastating. In these instances, we can carry each other's burdens by being a listening ear, bringing a meal or, or, or meeting a financial need. I've seen that happen in this church. How many times have we taken up a special offering for someone in need? How many times have you made a meal and took it to somebody in a time of need? How many times have you called each other and prayed with each other over the phone? It happens time and time again. You are bearing each other's burdens. You brought hope to those who needed it, and they knew they were not alone. That's what brings hope, knowing that you're not alone in all this. You're not alone. See, whenever there is a lack of hope in our community, we are here, the church, to carry those burdens our community might have. And as I point out, because we are Christians and Holy Spirit resides in us, Jesus is with us, and where Jesus is, there's hope. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are ambassadors for Christ. Okay, you're an ambassador. You know what that means? If our president called you tomorrow to be the ambassador to Germany, he would give you what he wanted you to tell them. 
But as you stood in the offices where Germany's political powers are, when you spoke, you'd be speaking on behalf of the president, Congress, and all the people, the United States, all the power and prestigious of this country because you are an ambassador. In this case, he's telling us that we are ambassadors for Christ. So when you go to somebody, you are representing the eternal kingdom. You are representing Jesus. And what you have to say matters because it impacts eternity. Look what he says next. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, which is our ministry. We have the ministry of reconciliation. So you go, you, you're representative. You could tell them. I went through this myself, but I have a relationship with Christ. Let me tell you what Christ means to me. And you get down on nuts and bolts on it where the rubber really hits the road, they're all going to listen. Tim, how'd you get through that? Well, I didn't get through on my own. Let me tell you how I got through that. How are you and Tammy dealing with this? Well, because Tammy and I are not the only ones dealing with it. Christ is helping us, and we have brothers and sisters in the church who are helping us as well. But so many times we rob ourselves of that blessing because, as I said earlier, we're constantly looking on the outside of things rather than on the inside. I like what Roger said earlier in his service. If we really believe God loves us that much, we would live our life differently. We would understand that our value and our worth comes from him, not what this world has to offer. And when we love one another in this way, we fulfill the greatest commandment. We love God with all our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and strength. And we love our neighbors as ourselves. I remember reading that in the Bible somewhere, perhaps in Matthew chapter 22. In verse 40, Jesus answers the question, what is the greatest and foremost commandment? And this is what he tells them, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then in verse 40, Jesus says, on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. When you invest in relationship that God gives you within the church, you'll find help living within your boundaries. Sometimes you need someone to tell you no. No to the things that occupy your time, your attention, and resources. Sometimes to, you need someone to remind you that you are loved by God. Sometimes you need someone to help you slow down and rest, to rest in the grace of God. You need people like that who will speak truth. I don't know about you, but my wife has no problem telling me no. And vice versa. Now I'm kind of kidding around a little bit. In all truth, we need people who love us enough to tell us no. I think a lot of problems in our society today, not to get on a whole other subject, is because our kids are being raised and they've been told no. This as a side note, my parents used to tell me no, and I said, why? And they said, because I said so. And I said, when I get a parent, I'll never say that. What's the first thing out of my mouth? I told you no, Allison. Why? Because I said so. And oh, I just sound this on my dad. 
Are you weary today? Are you burdened? Are you getting on the point of burn, being burned out? Come to Jesus and find rest. You don't have to do this all alone. You're surrounded. I know our attendance is a little low this morning, but you have people in this church who belong to this church. You are the church. Let me rephrase it. You have people who are the church of Forestburg Baptist Church or make up Forestburg Baptist Church, but you don't have to do this alone. You have people here that will pray with you, laugh with you, cry with you, and walk with you. People who are honest and love you enough that will tell you. Sometimes things are difficult to say. How can you do that? How can you develop a relationship with that? Well, it starts at the most basic foundational level, and that's the love of Christ. You can't experience that with another human being until you have that love of Christ for yourself. You can't love somebody in that way. You can't have that type of relationship, one of trust and complete openness. Even in my relationship with God, sometimes I must admit that sometimes I hold on to things, causes problems, so finally I let it go. Yes, there are times I need to go back right to this passage I've heard so many times. Come to me, who all come to me who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Maybe that's what you need to do. How's your relationship with Christ right now? Have you truly given everything over to him? Trust him with it? You can't hide anything from him. You're not going to tell him anything that he responds like, oh, I didn't know that. I'll just put it this way in closing. It, Jesus talked to me, Tim, you know I love you. I died on the cross for you. I know this is eating at your heart. I know the pain and the suffering it's caused. Just let me have it. Let go. And let me deal with it. Me tell you how you can handle it. There's freedom in letting go in there. And for us men, that's a hard thing to do because we want to be in control of everything. Pull yourself up in your own bootstraps. Be your old man. So I used to think being a Christian meant I was a weakling, I need somebody else. But then I found out a real man admits where he's weak and seeks the help. And ultimately, that's found in Christ. What are you holding on to? Are you hurting? Things that you wish were different? When you look at that situation, has anything that you've done up to this point changed anything? You realize you keep doing that, by definition, you're insane. Because you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And see, I'm your pastor. I need to let go. Study. Preach it. Okay, God, this is your word. You promise it's going to happen. You got it. I've done, I've done what I need to do. Because you can beat yourself up afterwards. Don't do that. Don't let the enemy do that. Don't do it to yourself.
stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. and I know some of us are hurting, we're broken, we're weary. We look at situations in our own lives and we look at what's going on within our own country and around the world and God, we just feel so overwhelmed by it all. We wonder what difference can we possibly make. But Jesus, you told us to come to you and to find rest in you. We know that you're in control. We know you're sovereign. It's so easily forgotten by us when we forget. So, Father, I pray for all those in this room and the sound of my voice. Whatever they're dealing with, dear God, I pray that they will feel your arms of love and peace wrap around them and that you pull them close to your side. Remind them, dear God, that their true value comes from you. When we look at the cross of Christ, how much it cost our salvation. How can we ever question your love for us? Because you demonstrated it even when we're so far away from you. Your loving kindness is so great. So, Father, I would ask that none of us would leave this place until we do business with you and with each other. In Christ's name we pray.